Well, hello and happy Easter, everyone. It's great to see you. Um, let's, you know, we're one church that meets in all these locations and we're jammed in at every place. So it's just to acknowledge that and maybe show some hospitality. Will you join me just welcoming everyone on the other side of the camera? Hello, Edgewood, Aberdeen, Abingdon, Mountain Road. Online people, lots of people online today, and lots of people jammed in the overflow, and all, all you're like, suckas, we got here first, but there's, <laughs> there's lots of people in overflow spaces all over the place, they'll probably be into the parking lot first, though, so, hey, 945 people, just, you know what, could have come at eight, you wouldn't have, you know. Hey, it's Easter, and we love saying around here that he is risen, he is risen indeed, it just announces the truth of everything, let's do it one more time, shall we? He is risen. Man, if, if that's the truth that sets everything off in such a different direction because it's true. So today's also special because uh, you may have heard uh, there are people at every one of our campuses, every one of our services who are already decided that they're going to be baptized today, that they're ready to take that step to say, man, I want to put Jesus first in my life, put the past behind me. And they're making that decision. I want to say to you, if that's you, God bless you. You are never going to regret that decision. It is going to invite the presence and the strength and wisdom of God into your life in a way that you will, you will never say, oh, I made the wrong decision. And I want to say this. I'm going to make an invitation in a little while, uh, just a little bit, for, um, for anyone to be baptized. Because I believe there are some who are here today who maybe weren't even planning on this when you first came. But you're going to feel the nudge of God in the next few minutes to know that you're ready to put your past behind and you're ready to trust God for a new future together that you could have with him. And you're going to mark that through the washing of the old and the welcoming of the new through baptism today. We have everything you need. You can do it right now. And, the, and when the service is done, I'm going to walk back and get in that pool with my clothes on just like you can join me there too. So let's be praying that God will be on the move and help us in that, okay? It's going to be an exciting day. So how many of you, uh, anybody like Adele? You like, guys like Adele? Is it just old people now that like Adele? I don't even know. <laughs> Um, I don't, I've never met her, but I like her music, uh, some of it. And um, she's got this one album called 30, where um, she has this song called My Little Love. <clears throat> it's really a song to her son about her divorce with her son's father. And here are some of the words that, that she says there in that song. She says, I know you feel lost. It's my fault completely. I don't recognize myself in the coldness of the daylight, so I ain't surprised you can read through all of my lies. I feel so bad to be here when I'm so guilty. I'm so far gone, and you're the only one who can save me. My little love, tell me, do you feel the way my past aches? When you lay on me, can you hear the way my heart breaks? I wanted you to have everything I never had, and I'm so sorry if what I've done makes you feel sad. Kind of gets you right there, doesn't it? And I think one of the reasons that someone like Adele, every time she puts an album out, sells like a bajillion copies is because she has a knack for like just speaking really honestly. Like every one of us can relate to some of what she's saying here. Like there's moments in life that you come to and you go, man, I screwed up. There, there, or you acknowledge, you're kind of done blaming everyone else and minimizing it or saying it isn't that bad and you just kind of, you finally have a moment of truth where you say, gosh, I have deep regret about this or that. It's my fault. 
You broke someone's trust. You went places, did things, failed to do things, and you feel like it like has left a stain on your soul. We all understand that. Where you feel sorry and you have regrets because you don't even live up to your own standards. When you hurt other people and then it affects your relationship even with yourself and with God. So what do you do when your past aches and your heart breaks? What do you do? Are we just stuck in that, in the shame and the sorrow and the sin? It's a million-dollar question. And I know we live in a day, we actually live in a time now where there's a lot of people who are like, oh, we don't need any, we don't need to worry about it. Because guilt's just like a holdover from the old days when we believed in God and sin and guilt and all that. We don't need any of that. We're all just kind of our own truth, and you just kind of live this new thing and forgive yourself, and you're all good. Except we all know that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, we all know, don't we? Like, there's something inside of every one of us that tells us, you know, it's not all right. Like, when you act like a coward, there's a little voice inside you goes, you were just a coward. You can't just like, oh, it's not a deal. It is a deal. Like when you see something unjust, it like triggers inside. We're like, yeah, that's not right. We know that. We feel it. We all do. It, it's there. We know we're not all right. Like if we had nothing to hide, we'd have nothing to fear, but we all are very, very scared. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, we take fig leaves and we're hiding all the time. It's like, I don't want you to see who I really am. I can imagine if through new artificial intelligence, I had the ability to take every thought you've had over the last 48 hours, and I can now project it on the screen, which we're going to do right now, and you're first. I mean, imagine how it's, we'd be terrified, like, wait a second, no, 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 what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, want, I don't want you to really see how petty or insecure or scared I can be. We, we wouldn't want other people to know how prideful or lustful or obsessive we can be about different things, right? It scares us to death. So that's why we cover up with those fig leaves and, and, and call it Instagram or TikTok because I want to curate my thing and just let you see that. Because at the end of the day, we don't live up to our own standards, let alone the standards of, of, of someone else, let alone the standards of God. So we need some help with this. And what I want to do is I want to I give some help for you because the million-dollar question is, is our failure final? Is our failure final? And there was a guy who got a lot of help with this, and I think it's going to help a lot of us as well. So let me tell you about him, and we'll see if, if it helps as much as I think it will. Uh, his name was Peter. Everybody's heard of Peter, right? Peter is this guy in the Bible. He's a friend of Jesus, one of the disciples, we call him. And, and Peter, you got to love this guy. He was kind of bold and brash. He was always the first one in, raised his hands, I got this, large and in charge, right? That kind of guy. When, when they started coming at Jesus, he's the one who pulls his sword out and like lops the guy's ear off. Like he's going he's gonna to control the whole situation, right? So on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus gathered his disciples and he told them, listen, you are all going to fall away from me in the next little while. And Peter, in Matthew 26, he's the one who says, oh, not me. Jesus, I don't know, these other dudes, probably they will, but not me. And Jesus said, actually, Peter, even before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny you even know me three times. And Peter still insisted, like, no, 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 no. Even if I have to die, I'm not going to do that. And he really believed it, like we believe ourselves when we try to believe that we're better than we really are. And then, I don't know if you know how this story goes, but it wasn't long after that, he sees as they drag Jesus away, and it's getting scary now. And so Peter's kind of watching from a safe distance, warming his hands over a fire. A little teenage girl comes up to him and goes, hey, weren't you with Jesus? He's like, no. Mm. 
And then someone else comes up and says, hey, weren't you with the Jesus people? You knew him, didn't you? And he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And the third person comes up and goes, dude, you, I can tell by your accent. You're one of the Galilean guys. He, and he swears at him. He says, I don't even know the guy. And at that very instant, the rooster crows. And Peter, who had been given his name by Jesus, which means the rock, crumbled. Like, like we all do sometimes. Is your failure final? Luke adds a really interesting detail when he tells this story. Luke chapter 22, he says that at that very moment when Peter just denied him three times and, and the rooster crows is the moment they're dragging Jesus by who looks over and they lock eyes at that very instant. Can you imagine that? I don't even know the guy. And there he is. And Peter, of course, remembered it all and wept bitterly about it. It's bad enough when you break your own heart or someone else's, but when you break the heart of God, and the Bible makes it clear that every single sin breaks the heart of God. So Peter is there alone in his failure, and he has to watch as this whole horrible scene unfolds. I mean, they grab Jesus, and they drag, what are they doing now? They take him over, and they get this trumped-up trial, and it's just this big, you know, fiasco, and of course, then the next thing, they're beating the stuffings out of him, hitting him with their fists and with rods, and then they jam a crown of thorns on his head, and they're mocking him and spitting on him and dragging him to the streets with a cross on his back, and then they nail him to it, and then they put him up between two criminals and wait for him to die. And the Bible says that as his life ebbed out of him, there comes a moment when Jesus looks out. And you know, he, see, he sees his accusers and his abusers. He sees the ones who denied him and deserted him. He sees the disciples who had fled and are now safely couched over here at a distance. And I believe firmly that in that moment, Jesus didn't just look at the people who were there. I believe he looked out across the generations and I think he saw us. I think he saw you. He saw me. And it's in that moment, in the midst of all of that, that Jesus says three words that will rock your world. It's a prayer that he doesn't ask you to pray. It's a prayer that he prays. It's a prayer for everyone who's ever failed. And it's three words. Pushing up on his feet so he could get enough air into his nearly asphyxiated lungs to speak, Jesus utters these words. He says, Father, forgive them. <laughs> and in that moment, you get a snapshot of the very heart of God and a Jesus who's willing to back up the sentiment of those words by going to the cross. It's a powerful moment. Father, forgive them. Forgive who? Well, Anyone who's failed, anyone who sins, <laughs> Peter, you, me, R Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. That's like all y'all. Person next to you, look at them. Take a good look if you want to know what a sinner looks like. That's what they look like. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that. We fall short of our own standards, let alone the glory of God. But 
That same all are able to be justified, put right with God, freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ, what he's doing on the cross. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin, like the result of us trying to fix ourselves doesn't work. It's actually death. It leads you separated from God and yourself. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, what we need is the possibility to answer the question that Jesus answered on Easter when he said, Father, forgive them. It's the million-dollar answer to the question. And what we need is what we have, and that is a God who looks at you and sees behind the fig leaves and knows exactly who you are and says, I'll love you anyway, and I will, I will pay the price for your forgiveness so you can be released from your sin and shame and we can move forward in a new life together. That's amazing grace and it's super powerful. Is your failure final? No, there is forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus Christ. And friends, that's pretty doggone good news today. You can be free of the past. And he didn't just like say it, like if Jesus just said this is like a nice idea or, you know, he has a sentiment where he wishes everyone could be forgiven, that'd be one thing. But he backed it up, right? He gave his life for it. And then he walked out of an empty tomb for, I mean, like, I think of it this way, like in sports today, it's like smack talk is like a huge part of everything now. It's like... Everyone's talking about what they're going to do before the game ever starts. And after the game, they're like smack-talking, trash-talking each other, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, we saw it in, we see it in golf this week at Augusta. We saw the NCAA tournament filled with it. We, we, we even saw it in pickleball. For crying out loud, you're talking smack in pickleball. John McEnroe was talking smack last week. Here's what I love about that. Is some, once in a while, you find someone who comes along and goes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just let my talking happen on the court. I'm going to just let my actions speak. And they don't talk a lot of trash. They just do. And that's how Jesus does it. Peter talks a big game like we do, but he couldn't live up to it, just like we can't. And Jesus comes along. He didn't talk smack. He says, Father, forgive them. And then he backs it up by dying and giving his life and then rising again to show he has the authority and the ability and the power to forgive sins for everyone, including you. Like when you're God, you don't need to talk smack. You just go dunk on the devil. You just got it done. He's like, I'm here. I got game. He does it. It's like, boom, it's over. There, your failure is not final. The past is, can be past. The future is secure. Your sins can be forgiven. And even when you fail, Jesus never fails. That's the good news, y'all. You can go home now. So here's what I think. I think a lot of us know all those facts, but there's a lot of people who haven't really taken it into your heart. Like, G like Peter knew all this at one point. Peter, Jesus had appeared to him as the risen Christ, but Peter still is living under the shadow of his failure. And so there's two really interesting details I want to share with you, because I think some of us are in the same boat. I think a lot of us know about the whole Jesus story. We know that he's alive, but you have not yet received that real grace and forgiveness in your life. You're still living under the shadow of your failure and shame and past. So let me tell you two details. Number one, the women are going to the tomb. They don't know it's Easter morning. They think they're going to embalm dead and gone Jesus. And they get there and the stone's rolled away and they're like, what? And then the, God sends this angel messenger and says, hey, I bet you're looking for Jesus. Well, he ain't here. He gone. And he's alive again. He's like out ahead of you back. And, and it's like, what? Wow, their minds are just blown. And then he has this beautiful message for these women. He says, here's what you need to do. Mark 16, verse 7. He says, you need to go now and you need to tell those disciples. What does it say? Go tell his disciples. Yeah. 
and Peter. Don't you love that? He didn't need to say that. Peter's one of the disciples, but it's almost like Jesus is saying to the angel, when you tell those women, make sure that they tell, tell Peter, because he's living under a big shadow. I think, I think that singling out is so beautiful. It shows the heart of God, and I think he's got that heart for some of us. It's like, go I'm the messenger today that God sent to say, I want to tell you that Jesus is alive. I'm going to tell the people at Mountain and Mike because he's living under some stuff. Go tell them and Alice over here because she's living under some stuff. She hasn't really taken it in yet. Can you feel that? Put your name there. Jesus is here to tell you, I rose. I did all this for you. The one who's carrying the most failure is where God's heart is leaning the most. If Jesus died and stayed dead, those words, Father, forgive them, don't mean anything. But he rose again and he's alive, which means those words live. Put your name in there too. Father, forgive Ben. Father, forgive Mike and Alice. Father, forgive you. That's powerful truth. Let me tell you the other truth that'll help maybe let you let it in. It's the Gospel of John, and it's the end of the story. And remember, there were those three questions that totally changed Peter's life. Do you, do you know Jesus? He's like, nope, nope, nope. And those three questions and his failure to pass that test left him living under a blanket of failure. And it defined his life. And Jesus has done all the stuff he needs to do, but he's got one more piece of unfinished business he wants to take care of to take care of Peter. And so what Peter has done is he's kind of given up and he's gone back to his old life. He's gone back to fishing. Some of you know what that's like when you have a falling out with God. You're just like, I'm just going to go, I might as well just start drinking again. I might as well just start hanging out with them again. I might as well start doing the old thoughts, the old ways and the old stuff. And then he goes fishing, and he has a horrible, he's even a failure at fishing. They're out there all night long, and they don't catch a single thing. It's called a long night of nothing. How many of you know what that's like in life, where you have a whole long night of nothing, where you're just trying to find happiness and peace and all this stuff, and it doesn't really work? That's exactly where he is. Jesus makes a trip out there, and he's standing on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus. It's too far away, and they're not expecting to see the risen Lord yet. He's standing on the shore. And he yells out to the fishermen out there, hey, how's it going? Caught anything? <laughs> oh, fishermen love it when you do that, when they haven't caught anything. I don't know what they said back to the guy on the shore that they didn't know was Jesus. It's almost like Jesus says to us sometimes, how's that working out for you, going back to the old way? How's it working out for you? Well, then Jesus asked another question. He says, hey, why don't you try throwing the net on the other side of the boat? Oh, fishermen love that, I bet. <laughs> Veteran fishermen, they've been out there all night trying every trick in the book, and they're like, oh, you mean the fishies are on this side? Thank you so much. But for whatever reason, they're so desperate, they do, and boom, they have the biggest catch they've ever had. And in that moment, Peter figures it out. It's like, that's got to be Jesus, and he's always the first one in the water. And he jumps overboard and he swims to shore, maybe so he could be there alone with Jesus and have a moment. And when he gets there, he comes up dripping and he sees Jesus. Jesus is cooking fish and bread over a fire on the shore. And Jesus says, you want some breakfast? <laughs> I mean, notice what he doesn't say. Peter, what do you have to say for yourself? The last time we saw each other, it wasn't so great. <laughs> 
He doesn't say, you're a screw-up, Peter. He doesn't say, I think that's what we fear. When we lock eyes with Jesus, we fear that's what we're going to hear. And Jesus says, would you like some breakfast? And Jesus knew the three questions that had defined his failure, and now he gives him three new questions. Jesus says to Peter, looks him right in the eye. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, Jesus, I love you. Peter asks, or that question asked again. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He's like, yes, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus asked the same question a third time. Peter, do you love me? I'm sure he was a little insulted, like, why is he? And then I think it dawned on him, three times I denied my Lord, and now three times. To erase all of that, I have the opportunity to see all that he's done for me, to see his power and his resurrection, and to say, yes, I love you. Do you love me? That's the most important question you'll answer today. My grandfather became a Christian in probably 1913. Didn't know the Lord at all, but he was reading through a Bible, and he came to this passage, and he heard Peter say, I love you, to Jesus, and he found himself saying in his heart, I want to say that to Jesus. And he did, and he was baptized, and it's changed the trajectory of our family, and it's why I'm here today. So what's your answer? Do you love me? It's a relationship, y'all. Peter said yes, and Jesus said great. Follow me, because there's always something to happen next. Follow me. In other words, let's put it into action. Let's, Let's do stuff together. Let's put the past past, but now as you're turning from that, you and I are moving forward together, and you start, let's do, let's do life together. Follow me. What's the first step? I think that same Peter would answer it pretty clearly. What's the first step in following Jesus? Well, Peter, in fact, did answer that question. This same guy, Peter, is standing up now a short time after on what we call the day of Pentecost. He preaches the first Christian sermon ever, and he tells them the whole story about everything that happened to him and what happened with Jesus. And when he hears it, Acts 2.37, when they hear it, the people were pierced to the heart. They were like, gosh, what should we do about this? And some of you are wondering that very thing right now. What should we do if I want to say yes and I love you to Jesus? And he answers the question with crystal clarity for us today as well. Acts 2.38 says this, you should repent. That means turn away from the past. You should repent, each of you, and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's how you get the same forgiveness I got. That's how those words from the cross are for you. That's how you do it. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise, he says, is to you, but also, he wasn't just talking to the people in the room. He was talking to all of us like today, like we're the generations that are far off. That's the same promise for us today. That's why we're offering baptism today so that people can respond and say yes and make it happen. And and when Jesus says, follow me, and you say, what's my first step? And he says, baptism, you can say, let's do it. And we're going to do it right now together. Let me tell you about Claire. Ten years ago, she says, I was a sassy mom, and I didn't take junk from nobody. You'd look at me, and you'd think, oh, she's a normal mom and wife. You'd think I'd had it all together, but I didn't. God was using pain in my life to get my attention. 
So I went forward, and I was the first person baptized at our Abingdon campus when it opened, along with my husband, Sean. God had my attention big time. But a few soul-searching weeks later, I found myself in the never-ending cycle of my alcoholism yet again. I'd been drinking since high school, and it had its grip on me as my go-to thing. It's how I dealt with everything, happy or sad, good or bad. But this time, instead of ignoring it, I fell to my knees, and I begged God to take this thing away from me. I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And it was like the repentance of baptism opened my heart to the surrender I needed for my addiction. And it was a hard step, but I knew I was a child of God now, and I heard Jesus say, if you really trust me, I got this. And so that began my sobriety journey. And I'm happy to say I'm celebrating over five years of sobriety today, and I know without a doubt if I had not been baptized that day, I would not be where I am now. I love that story. I love that family. They're serving and helping other people get baptized today at Abingdon. That's pretty cool. Gil Shelsby didn't grow up in a home where they went to church at all. But 25 years ago, and here's a picture of his family back then, he reached a point where he knew something was missing, and he and his wife, Lori, just decided they wanted something better for their kids. That inner stirring eventually led them to Mountain, and they soaked everything in for a while, and they kept seeing people get baptized, and they wondered, well, why would I need to get baptized? And then he searched the scriptures, and he found there a clear and compelling case for why he knew it was his next best step to move forward with God. And one day, and I remember this vividly 25 years ago, I had the pleasure of baptizing Gil and Lori Shelsby. And I remember sitting on the front row, Lauren and Ashley and little Gil sitting there wide-eyed, looking at their parents do that thing. And Gil will tell you today, that decision that day changed the trajectory of our whole family. Today, that family, they all walk with God. It's this beautiful thing. They're all serving the Lord in their beautiful way. You see that family today. It's just amazing. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. In fact, Gil is one of our elders today, and that little kid sitting on the front row, Lil Gil, he's our new young adults pastor here at Mountain. And he'll just tell you it started that day, which leads me to Bernie. Bernie is married to Gil's stepsister, so he's kind of family. Bernie had his own issues growing up. He had a divorce and some other things, and he says... Just recently, he said, I had this nagging concern inside that I'd never really committed my life to Jesus. Been doing church stuff, but never committed to Jesus. I wanted to follow Jesus, and I I thought it should be a public statement, so I knew baptism was my next step. He says, there were lots of things I needed to leave behind in the water. I needed God to change me. I had an awful temper. I was real judgmental. I was able in the water that day to let it all go and I can see God making progress in me already. Gil says, if you'd known Bernie and me 30 years ago, never in a million years would you guess that we'd ever get baptized and we'd be the guys we are today. I love that. So just a few weeks ago, Bernie decided to get baptized and guess who he called to do the baptism? That little kid, Gil, sitting on the front row. All those years earlier. And so when he was baptized, he wanted to say something to the little people sitting on the front row when he was getting baptized. Check this out. Bernie's had a long story with God, and he, long story short, God has made it very clear uh, to him that God is with him and has been with him his entire life. Uh, Bernie, do you want to say a couple words? Yes. 
I'd like to say directly to my grandchildren who are here today, Anthony, Joey, Natalie, Evan, and Gianna. Poppy is doing this because he loves Jesus so, so much. And I want you to love Jesus every day. I want you to tell him that. I want you to make him first in your heart and first in your life every day. Okay? And don't forget that. And if you do that, you'll have everything you always need in your life. I love you. And you're here to do pretty much exactly that, right? Make Jesus the Lord of your life, that he is all you need. So uh, based on that, ready, go ahead and just repeat after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. He is my Lord. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Savior. All right, well, based off that confession of faith, Bernie, and I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Pretty awesome. Man, when you get baptized, you make ripples. And those ripples, sometimes they can extend for generations. That's maybe one of the reasons some of you need to get baptized today is to make a statement to yourself, to your God, and even to your family. Bernie learned after he made the decision to get baptized that he has cancer. I pre prayed with him, met with him this week, and uh, he knows that whatever happens, he says, I'm good, but I'm so glad that I've got this straight and I've set a path for my family. So if you tell Jesus, I love you, like Bernie just did, he's gonna say, follow me, and you're gonna say, where should I start? He's gonna say, let's start with baptism. So let me just answer some questions I know you have. Like, for example, you're going to ask me some questions right now. Like, I know one of your questions is, when should I be baptized? Oh, when should you be baptized? I'm glad you asked. Well, when? Well, Peter said, repent and be baptized, and they got baptized right there on the spot. There was another guy who heard the good news about Jesus in the book of Acts, and he wanted the forgiveness in his name, and... He got baptized, and Acts 16 says he got baptized immediately. Guess what? It was midnight. They didn't wait till morning. So it seems like now's the time. It's not something in the Bible where you get around to it someday or you work up to it or something like this. If you're ready to move past your past and you're ready to trust Jesus in your future, you're ready. And so now's the time. But you also, I know you want to know why should I be baptized, right? Why? Oh, what's that? Oh, why? Why should you be baptized? Well... How about this? Jesus commands us to. He asks us to, and then he himself was baptized as an example for us, and then every single early Christian that you find in the Bible, every single one of them without question was baptized because they knew that's what they were supposed to do. I don't think we need any other reason. But I know you have other questions, like who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? Well, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Sounds kind of inclusive. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all people and baptize them. 
That's pretty cool. So whoever's ready to turn away from the past and turn toward God and trust Jesus is, is ready. Don't I need to learn a bunch of stuff first? Don't I need to kind of clean up my life a little bit first? Nope. In the Bible, baptism is not a sign of maturity. It's not a sign of kind of spiritual okayness. You know what it is? It's a birth. It's a beginning. It's your first step. It's really the first step. We don't practice at mountain infant baptism for that reason because a baby can't really take that step, can't turn from their past, can't say, Jesus, I love you. So what we do is we... We have these beautiful parent and child dedication services where we just hold up these children. We just pray, God, bless them, man. And, uh, and then we pray that they will grow to, to make the decision that no one can make for them to turn to Jesus one day and say, I love you. Someone might ask, well, what if I was baptized as an infant? Would it be disrespectful or is it okay if I get baptized today? And the answer is absolutely yes. You can join the hundreds and hundreds of others at Mountain who have said, to a pastor or a priest or a parent, thank you for what you meant for me that day when you held me up before God so many years ago. Thank you for the spiritual seeds you planted. And now I want to echo and affirm that in my own right by making a decision to be baptized and say yes to Jesus just as you hoped and prayed that I would. I know some of you want to know, how should I be baptized? Well, how should you be baptized? Well, that's, you're probably wondering why we have like jacuzzis in our worship area. It's because the word baptize in the Bible, just a simple word that means dunk or dip or plunge or immerse beneath water. That's why we do it that way. It's, that's why Jesus was baptized that way. It's what the word baptism means. It's why all the early disciples were baptized in the same. And also, it's just kind of a symbol of going all in. Like you, there's no part of you that's a holdout. You're, all, you're going all in. And the Bible loves it. Romans chapter 6, Paul says, don't you know when you're baptized, it tells the whole Easter story, like it says Jesus died, but he rose again, and when you get baptized, there's part of you that's like, you're saying, the old me's got to die, but I'm not going to stay, I'm going to rise up, and there's a new me that's coming out of that water, and that's why I think the early Christians loved baptizing in that way, because it showed that. So, you've got some other practical questions, I know, like, someone's like, well, I, I, I couldn't do it today, I'm like, yeah, you could, I mean, you literally don't have any good excuses, <laughs> So I'm just telling you, you can. Well, I haven't had a baptism class or anything. Yeah, I just gave it to you. <laughs> You've had your class. You passed. Well, I don't have a towel. Oh, we got a mountain of towels. Don't worry about that. I don't have a change of clothes. Your clothes are going to dry. That's all right. They'll be okay. Well, I wore something light colored, and I don't want it to be too revealing in the water. It's like, oh, we got a T-shirt for you. And if you want to throw a pair of shorts on under your skirt, we got it. Yep. When I got to drive home, I, I get my car all wet. It's like, so a few minutes of a damp car in eternity with Jesus, weigh it out. Come on. We'll give you a plastic bag, and after all, seriously, what are you driving? Come on. <laughs> what about my stuff? What about my, I can't get baptized today. I have like a phone. I have stuff. I have my wallet. It's like, come on. We got a whole system set up over here. You walk over here to the tables. And you hand it off, and when you get baptized, we're going to sell it on Facebook Marketplace. And it's like, what do you think's going to happen? Oh, we, got, we got a system, okay? It's like, you can trust Jesus for an eternity. You can trust us for five minutes with your phone, all right? <laughs> hand it to someone next to you. But my family, or someone special to me, is not here today, and I really wanted them to be. So, you know, understand that, but it's a good thing this isn't between you and your family. It's between you and the Lord. And if you sense that now is the time... <laughs> 
I would just urge you to say yes and respond and be bold and courageous and get out of your seat in a few minutes and make your way to the tables and meet me up here in the baptistry. I'm going to take my shoes off and microphone off so I don't electrocute myself. <laughs> and I'll meet you here and all the campus pastors are going to do the same. If you're ready to say my failure is not final, I want my past to be past. I'm ready to move ahead and wash it away in baptism. Let's do it. In about 60 seconds, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song together. And campus pastors and I will get in the water. And if you're ready, you just cowboy up. Let's do it. If you've already signed up to be back, in fact, can I just say, let's all rise to our feet at all of our campuses. Can we stand right now? We'll make it easier. If you are already getting baptized, you already know that. Why don't you make your way to the tables right now? Go ahead and just scoot out. If you're helping one of the baptism helpers, you make your way, okay? If you've already been baptized, listen, pray your guts out right now and rededicate your own life and tell Jesus you love him all over again, okay? Will you recommit yourself? And if you are not yet sure, listen, do the right thing. You won't regret it. I've never met a single person who got baptized and said afterwards, oh, shoot, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Never. So you can get baptized spontaneously right here. You'll be glad you did. All right? So as soon as I'm done saying amen, you can start moving to the tables. All right? Here we go. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we love you. We pray that you will help us to, um, to trust you with every part of our life. And help us to show you that we're ready to do where you lead. Ready to go and do and follow and even this small, simple step of baptism, which is the first of many other things you'll ask us to do. We just pray that you'll help us be found obedient. We pray it all in the beautiful name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Hey, I want to say a word.